Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. As we continue to look at various passages in Scripture and we consider the topic of living water, Walt and I are reminded of something we often say in Israel, where there's water, there is life. Yeah, and the other thing we say is, make sure you drink some more water. Drink some more water. And in Israel, we see different examples of water, and actually, we're going to share that with you, uh, that first couple of weeks in June coming up, we're going to give you, once again, some video live clips from Israel. So we hope you'll be listening, that you'll tune in and see those clips uh, at the beginning of June, where there's water, there is life. Well, today we begin in Genesis chapter 26. We've been working our way through Genesis. We're going to move on through the Bible with this particular topic, but Genesis 26, 1 tells us, now there was a famine in the land. Besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and that's referring back to Genesis chapter 20, the Lord tells Isaac, do not go to Egypt. And I love this because Isaac obeys God and he goes to the land, the area of Gerar, which is in the Negev. And we're going to be talking about that area in Israel. Well, you know, Abraham had walked here. He had lived here in Gerar. And now his son Isaac returns to this same region. Sadly, Abraham's son makes the same mistake as his father. Isaac lied about the true identity of his wife, Rebekah, and he has put her in grave danger with the men in the land. Well, we get to verse 18 in Genesis 26, and we read this. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham, for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the same names which his father had given them. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, and it's interesting, I just want to interject this, that word flowing in Hebrew actually literally means living water. The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, the water is ours. So he named the well Essek because they contended with him. You know, friends, water is so important. Where there's water, there's life. This well is actually referred to as flowing, living water. And we see once again, herdsmen having conflict, having quarrel. Do you remember uh, last week, (laughs) Abram and Lot and Abram's Herdsmen were quarreling with Lot's um, herdsmen, and so they made the decision, you know, um, Lot, choose. Do you want to go which direction? And what did Lot do? He looked what was good to his eyes, and he went to that green, lush Jordan River Valley. And so now Abram's Abraham's now son Isaac is in the Negev, which is the region that his father had gone to. When there isn't enough water, conflict will arise. 
lack of water for the people, not enough water for the barley, the wheat, the olive trees, the date palms, and the vineyards. Those are who are tasked to watch over the goats and the sheep. They have difficulty finding water for their flocks, and it causes conflict. You know, Brenda, even as you're talking about that, they're digging a well. Normally, you're going down to the water table, and it's just a, a, a stagnant, or, or it's a very... Um, it's a, an idea that, oh, yeah, if we just dig low enough, we'll find this water table. In this case, as they started digging a well, they found a spring. And that, it's like, this is great water. This is pure water. This is, and, and people said, no, I want it. No, you want it. And, and we have to recognize this area that we're talking about. Um, this, this area is called the Negev Basin. And in this area, Gerar is, is one of the capitals. That's the capital of the western Negev region. Um, Beersheba is the capital of the central Negev region. And, and then Arad is the capital of the eastern. And all of these are mentioned. It's not a huge area. It's, it's probably about 31 miles long or about 50 kilometers. It's about 11 kilometers wide. It, some places it's a little wider. It's a little more narrow, about seven miles. And so don't see this as being this huge area. I mean, it's a very contained area, but it's an area that, that flows from the Judean wilderness that bumps up against the Dead Sea all the way to the Mediterranean area to the Philistine Plain. And it's an area that can get anywhere from seven, eight inches of rain a year to 15 inches of rain a year. There's places where you can grow wheat, and it's great. But there's places you can't, and water is really important. As you think about this, these folks are moving. Isaac is moving his flocks constantly around. And again, some areas, um, there's enough water, but but they're also, they need to stay away from these grain fields. And so they're constantly trying to find water for, not just for themselves, of course, but also for the flocks of sheep and goats. And um, and as they move around, they come to the first well, and it's Essex, and, and, and they dig another well, and, and they're quarreling over it, and it's Cynthia, and it, and it means enmity or strife or tension. That's what happens around water when there's not enough water. And continuing in, in Genesis 26, verse 22, he, Isaac, moved away from there, and he dug another well. Um, so they're, they're digging multiple wells. We're now up to three. And, and they did not quarrel over it, so he named it Rehoboth, which he said, at last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in this land. And again, this, this name, Rehoboth, there's plenty of room. I mean, in this area, there's no one there. They're, they're not contesting for this well and for this water. And he said, wow, at last I found a place where I can be at rest and peace. Again, where there's water, there's life. But in the midst of that, there's also strife over this water because people need it to sustain their life. The flocks, the, the herds of sheep and goats, they need it to sustain their life. Water is super important, and it's necessary. And God is going to teach lessons using water throughout Scripture. And as you're speaking of that, Walt, and you're laying out the geography I'm thinking of when we're in Israel and the day that we particularly 
travel through this area love going up to a rod and you begin to see because we typically come up from the dead sea right through the judean wilderness and as we come into a rod i mean the green i think of when we were just there in march and how beautiful it is and we see we see camels we you know we see flocks the shepherds um, moving their flocks around the whole time that we stand there on the tell at a rod yeah, but it's also a basin, and, and it's got a very specific kind of soil called less or loess soil. And and but as we're there, we say, oh, to the north, to the south, all around us, it's higher country. We're in a basin, and yet there there is the ability to grow crops. But there's also places where they don't grow well, and that's where your sheep and goats can go. Yeah, and that's even as we move from a rod, um, which is closer to the Dead Sea, the Judean wilderness, and we drive over to Beersheba, and that's exactly where we're going to go now in verse 23. Then he, Isaac, went up from there to Beersheba. So he uh, and his men have dug another well, that third well, and they've now gone to Beersheba. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. And what I really love about these two verses here in Genesis 26, and we'll jump in here and talk, but he is he, God, is restating now to Isaac that promise that he gave his father, Abraham. And Isaac is that promised son, but now this promise from God is moving to Isaac. Yeah, and even as you say that, there's both promises that God made to Abraham, but there's also a covenant that God made to Abraham. And what he's saying is now, this is now your, these are your promises. I made them to your father, but they're your promises now. This covenant continues on. And, and, and so there's this continuity there. And, and there's this, this sense because earlier we learned Abraham's already been to this place in Genesis 21. We're now in Genesis 26 years later. And even as you get to that point, you're saying, oh my gosh, I mean, we're, we're kind of going back to the future or going, you know, from the past towards the same thing. There's something Isaac needs to learn that Abraham learned sometime infer- imperfectly. But as you get to this place, you say, oh my gosh, God, you you want these people to realize that there's something going on here that's bigger than any one individual. It continues down through the generations. Yeah. And as as we're looking at this and we've been peeling back the kind of the layers that we've found in this chapter here in Genesis in 26, I have a head to heart that, that has just really touched my heart. When you, you look those first two wells, there was contention. They, they, they found water. We've at Gerard, they found living water, like you mentioned, while a, an actual spring, not just the water table. They found water, but there was still strife. There was contention, and they got to that third well that they dug, and there his words were, the Lord's made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. And so I had to heart that that a 
really fits right here in verse 24. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear for I am with you. God, God is with us. He, he doesn't want to, we're, he's going to make sure we have the water we need. He's going to watch over us and care. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we'll have comfort and that we'll get everything in the way we think we want it because God will watch over and he is going to take care of us. And we see this here in this picture. They've, they've dug three wells before they found some peace. And now in verse 25, he built an altar. He called on the name of the Lord and he worshiped him. And so in the midst of strife and uh, just a, that struggle with the other herdsmen in the area of where they were um, moving around with flocks, he now comes and he says, I'm going to worship you, Lord. And you know, Brenda, what's so interesting is a lot of times when there's strife and contention and discord, you say, well, I'm out of the will of God. I mean, I, I'm doing something wrong. In this case, yes. Isaac had stayed right where he was supposed to right. be. But and he'd was, obeyed. And he'd obeyed. And you'd think, oh, everything's going to go great. So when I'm obeying, everything must go great. No, God was teaching him lessons. And even in the midst of his obedience, there were still struggle. There was still strife. He had to trust God and keep walking forward when he... I. I mean, I'm saying for me, the head to heart, I, obviously when I'm doing, God, when I'm doing things your way, everything's going to go peachy keen and it's not always going to do that. But I love in the midst of that, as he experienced the blessing of God, he immediately wants to worship God yes. and build that altar. I mean, that, that concept of when God does something in your life that you immediately praise him and you worship him and, and you, and you, Commit yourself again unto him. I love that with here with Isaac. Yeah. Built that altar. He called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there. And Isaac's servants dug a well. And so here's now well number four. You know, we visit Beersheba when we're in Israel. Um, I love going to this historical site. The countryside all around this tell is beautiful. We often see camels, sheep, and goats. And it's possible to go back in time for just a, ma- a moment and imagine what would it have been like. Yeah, and, and when we go there, it's, it's amazing because it's not just any kind of well. They, It's a very deep well, and they've now lined it with stone. And I mean, it, it, it is very ancient, which doesn't surprise us because it goes back to the time of Abraham. So then continuing on in Genesis 26, as we get to verse 26, then Abimelech came to him from Gerar and with his advisor, Ahuzeth and Pico, the, the commander of his army. And then Isaac said to him, why have you come against me? Is it since you hate me and you sent me away from you? And they said, well, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So he said, let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched or harmed you and have done nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. And you are now the blessed of the Lord. I love this. This pagan king, his name literally means Abi Malak, Abba, father. Malak is king. My dad was king, and now I'm king. I'm, and they had a feast, and they ate, and they drank. In the morning, they arose early, and they exchanged these oaths. 
And Isaac sent them away, and they departed from him in peace. And just this concept that, I mean, others are looking at him. Others that aren't God-fears at this moment are looking at him and said, it's obvious to us, God is blessing you. It's obvious to, to us that something different is going on in your life. And I think here's one of those head-to-hearts that I ask myself, and I would ask you as our listeners, is it obvious for others around you? As they look at your life, is it obvious to them that you're walking with the Lord and that God has his hand in your life? And that doesn't mean everything, again, is always going to go great. But it means in the midst of those tough times, you're trusting in God. Is it obvious to others around you, to my neighbors? I just had an interaction with one of my neighbors. And and in the midst of that, um, they, they mentioned something that reminded me. They're watching us. They're wondering who we are and what is important in our lives. And is it obvious to others around you that God has his fingerprints all over your life? Yeah, and as you say that, well, it takes me then back to Isaac. They dug well one and there was contention. So Isaac and his herdsmen moved on. They dug well two and there was still strife and there was anger between the herdsmen. And so then Isaac moved that third time and dug a third well and then there was peace. We will be fruitful in this land. And now he's at Beersheba and they have uncovered, they've dug this well that his father Abraham had dug even back before him. In verse 32, as we get ready to wrap up this segment this week, now it came about on the same day that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug, and they said to him, we have found water. There they were joyful. I can hear it. Yeah. So he called it Shabbat, Beersheba, Shabbat. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. You know, Isaac's servants dug a well. This is now that fourth well that we've heard about here at Beersheba. And we still can visit it and see it today and think about this family. Think of Abraham and the promises God made to him. And then Isaac, those promises God passed on to the promised son, Isaac. And as even as we talk about that, it's amazing that you have something here that his dad dug a well there. And, and, and now the well has gone into kind of disuse and they redig the well there. And really now, I mean, you go there today and you, you can still see that well and there's water there and it's, it's a place of blessing. We found the water, that excitement, because remember, where there's water, there's life. And as we go there, it's that remembrance I mean, of a promise to 1,000 years before the time of Christ, a promise that is continued, the promise that Abraham was given, I will bless those that bless you and those that curse you, I will curse. The promise of the Abrahamic covenant, that this land is yours and it's to your descendants forever. And as we get there, we say, oh, God, you make promises and you keep them. You made them to Abraham. You continued on and made them to Isaac. You continue on and you made them to the prophets. You made them to Jesus. You gave us promises and we can take them to the bank. 
Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the lessons from Isaac, the lessons of water in this area called the Negev. And I ask that you would help seal them to our lives. Remind us, Lord, that even when there's contention and strife, you're still there. You still want us to trust you, and you still want us to walk well with you, trusting that you have a plan for our lives. And until we come together again, may you and I continue to walk well with God. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.